Good morning, church. It was a blessed time uh, of uh, worship uh, for that moment. It's very interesting because when you uh, when you do a word study, I'm sure Daniel knows this for sure. But when you uh, do a word study on the word worship, it literally means to be <laughs> prostrate uh, before God. As as you, that's one. Of, that's the one the Lord brought to my attention. Uh, the whole point of being prostrate is is a humility involved in that. As, as we were singing, you know, the angels are going to be. That's how they're going to be. They're not going to be standing up, <laughs> smiling. They're going to fall down to the ground and honor the Lord. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The lower you get, the quicker you get, uh, the more you're going to uh, see God for who he is. And when we do get to heaven, and that's why I love the name of that, that, that band, Casting Crowns. Because, like, nobody's tripping off a crown. <laughs> you know, we're going to be walking on streets paved of gold. I mean, right now, people wear gold around their neck, gold in their ears, gold on their rings. We're going to be walking on that. Like, you know, we walk on the sidewalk now. There's gum, there's gunk, there's junk. I'm not saying, I don't know what there's going to be in heaven, but what I'm saying is, you know, to walk on something so precious, that shows you that, you know, how great God is, that he's so far above all that, that all that stuff is so minuscule, and that the, the whole point of being in heaven for eternity is going to be to have an unhindered relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not going to be tripping off a crown. He's the only one worthy to receive a crown in the first place. A crown is just a significant reminder to us that we were faithful on our time here on the earth. But I don't think we're going to be concerned about a crown. We willingly throw that crown down and just want to be in the presence of the Lord God Almighty forever and ever. Amen. Exciting time. It's a lot going on in the world. But as I've been reminded throughout this week and even this morning uh, with the testimony of one of our sisters, God is good. And God remains faithful. Amen. I think the big key that we all need to, if we haven't honed in, in, honed in on already, is to continue to remember this. Our belief has to be tied to our obedience. When those things marry, as they should, because you really can't disconnect the two, you will see great moves of God in your life. Now, some people will say, I'm, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm faithful, and I don't have X, Y, and Z. What I would say to that is what me and Sal talked about in prayer this morning. Joseph is a great example of a godly man who was faithful and went through all kind of junk. You see, being faithful to God doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be given all kind of material blessings. Those things could happen. But when we align ourselves with Jesus Christ, we, we align ourselves in direct opposition to Satan. And so we should expect difficult things to come. The caveat is the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Amen. And that is that is the thing that should get you so juiced that you can walk through any circumstance in life and know that you're going to make it through. I mean, I know if I if I had the time to talk to every single person here and we just had a service of just sharing our testimony. Oh my goodness, I know that there's just, you know, people will be breaking out in tears and, and praise and because we've all been through so many miraculous things. 
and to still be here standing, to still be here saying, praise the Lord, holy is your name. I'm sold out to you. You see, that's the important thing. When we don't align our belief and our obedience, that's where people are like, well, how come this isn't happening? How come I don't see the move of God in my life? And it's simply because God is not going to move on behalf of those who only proclaim him and their, their, uh, their allegiance to him with lips only. He wants action. He wants motion. He wants a lifestyle to be drawn out of your heart and my heart. It has to become a lifestyle. When it becomes a lifestyle, you can always bank that the Lord is going to come through for what you need, when you need it, exactly at the precise time. Amen? Amen. And that promise, you can take that to the bank. We'll be in Revelation chapter 12 this morning. We're finishing off uh, this, uh, this chapter. This is our third part of this, uh, this uh, series or this message entitled The Woman and the Dragon. So this is The Woman and the Dragon part three. Uh, again, we're in Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 down, down through 17. There's a lot packed in here. So uh, when you get there, please stand for the reading of God's word and, and we'll go ahead and... Uh, and, and see what our text is this morning, and then we'll go ahead and get into the message. And it says, When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. When the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you once again just for this opportunity to hear from you, Lord, to come together as uh, uh, the body of Christ, Lord, and to glean from your truth, Lord. We, we come before you with uh, hearts that are bent towards you, Lord. We, we want to praise and worship you, Lord. We want to bring offers of sacrifice, Lord, for you're the only one worthy. We want to lift up your name. We want to minister to you, Lord, because you are worthy to receive all adoration, all honor, all glory, all praise. Lord, we ask now that you would speak to us through your word, Lord. May you uh, just uh, illuminate us with uh, the, the, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit to make your text come alive to us. May we see the benefit of searching through your word and seeking your truth. Father, would you give us the ability to apply these principles to our lives that we'll, we'll hear this morning, and may you help transform our hearts. May you do that work that only you can do in each and every one of us. Father, we thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So uh, last week we learned that a war had broke out in heaven, and this war broke out because the rebellion of Lucifer, the rebellion of Satan. Uh, him and his demons were defeated in heaven and cast down to earth. 
we know pretty much we, we have the, the understanding of what goes on from here, right? Sin entered the world through man's disobedience. We know about Adam and Eve and what happened there. And then Jesus Christ comes down to earth as 100% God, 100% man to redeem his fallen creation. We talked about why Jesus had to take on the form of a man um, in the likeness of men so that we could receive redemption because uh, animals weren't going to cut it. It was like a band-aid on an open wound. We learned that the believers overcome Satan through their testimony of their witness, trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ for their salvation. That's how we overcome Satan is because we trust and we believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He did what he said he did and that we now have that inheritance. Lastly, we saw that Satan is furious because he knows that his time is short and that soon he will be cast down into the lake of fire forever. We talked all about this last week. I wanted to, I needed to make a, a quick clarification and, and apologize last week for a statement I made. I had said that uh, Christians in America don't face harsh persecution like other places in the world. Well, the Lord revealed to me that that isn't necessarily accurate. And so I apologize for that statement, um, especially in our present day and age with things going on. The reality is, Christians in America do face persecution, and the reality is it's only going to get more intense. <laughs> so if persecution hasn't come knocking on your door, don't be so surprised when something goes down and you're caught in the crosshairs of persecution. You see, here in our country, we don't need a foreign country attacking us like how Russia did Ukraine. I'm not saying that that couldn't happen, but what I'm saying is we don't necessarily need that to happen. Why? Because we are destroying ourselves from the inside out. If you look at North America, we are destroying, we are gobbling up each other within our own borders. Just last week alone, in our country, evil, hatred, the murder of those people in Buffalo, New York, in that supermarket. You guys know what happened. You guys know what went down. Someone had plotted for months drove 200 miles to go just gun down a bunch of people. Uh, you see, but it's not that it's just simply racist, that act. It's sin at the core. Sin is at the core. Racism is just a, a symptom of sin. You see, the, the, the secular world will like to demonize racism and make such a big deal about racism. But at the heart of the matter is it's sin. It's sin. And Satan, that unclean spirit, that head demon amongst all these other, uh, you know, line of demons, he is the one who is behind those murders. And Lord willing, hopefully those victims knew Jesus Christ before they breathed their last breath. You see, because we can say, oh, this, this, this man, this white man who was distraught and, and, and was psychologically evalu evaluated for having all kinds of issues. Yes, he is, uh, he is in need of, uh, of the consequences uh, you know, for his actions. He also needs Jesus. But those people in the supermarket, you know, they're not innocent either. And so, yes, it's a tragedy that their lives were taken like that, but they still need Jesus too. You see, and these are the things we don't talk about. They just say, oh, well, a black man did this or a white man did that. But do you understand that both of these people need Christ? They need Jesus before they take their last breath. And then there was a shooting 
in a church in Laguna Woods, California, down south. Again, Satan was behind this shooting. Someone going in directly into the, that's like someone coming in the doors right now and gunning down people or coming in the back way since we have this door open or whatever way they want to come in, come through the windows. These things happen. You see, Christ, excuse me, Satan hates Jesus Christ and he hates his followers. I got to share this because this is something that I experienced this week, which was pretty peculiar, pretty strange. But now that I think about it, it's not that strange at all. So I work at the Morgan Autism Center and they're off of, uh, what is it, Kirky and St. Elizabeth on the west side of San Jose. I take 280 to get there and I usually go off Meridian and park more to get to my work so I don't have to stay on the freeway super long because race gets crazy at that time in the morning. So I'm going by that food max and I'm at the stoplight and I look to my right. And I see a gentleman standing there next to a white van with a bunch of garbage bags all over the top. So I'm assuming this person is homeless or a fellow on hard times. And he has a megaphone. And as he's talking, he says, ladies and gentlemen, I've been a part of the bleep experiment. He was an African-American male, so I think you could fill in the blank to hear what he was saying. He said, I have been... Uh, induced with psychological warfare and I don't want to kill myself or kill anybody else. And then he puts the megaphone down and he has a cup of coffee on the hood of his van. He takes a sip of coffee. He's sitting there very relaxed. And this is a long light. And I have a Bluetooth speaker that I'm blasting music out of. And I had to turn that Bluetooth speaker off because I heard the megaphone. That's what prompted me to turn the megaf- uh, my, my speaker off in the first place. And I heard him. And he went on again to say the same thing. And I drove away and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I just, just heard about what happened in Buffalo and, and we know these things happen. And I said, well, what is the chance of this person actually having some kind of alti- or, you know, heavy weaponry in that van? I mean, the man had a megaphone saying, I don't want to kill myself or anybody else. Now, if you guys know the, the code of the streets, I'm not a snitch. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> but in this instance, I thought of people. I thought of lives that could hang in the balance. And so I got on the phone. <laughs> I called 911. I said, hey, man, you got this guy. He's got a couple screws loose, and he's over here talking about he don't want to kill himself or anybody else. He's part of some psychological, psychological experiment. I just thought it was interesting. And a little tidbit with that, man, it took 15 minutes and 39 seconds for San Jose Police Department to respond to my 911 call. So had I been getting stabbed in the back or shot or something, I would have already been dead. If that dude did have weaponry and just started to start spraying everybody, man, that phone call wouldn't have mattered. So I guess you need to look to the Lord first and not San Jose PD because 15 stinking minutes. But my whole point is there's warfare going on all around us. Like I said, I was just driving to work. What is this guy doing? He lost his mind. Talking about he doesn't want to kill himself or anybody else. So... In that regard, I stand corrected. All believers, no matter where we live, are facing some form of persecution. And today we will learn that this life truly is a battlefield. Though we have sustained victory in Jesus Christ, we must walk through the warfare of this fallen world until we come 
face to face with our Lord and Savior and go home. Amen. Amen. All right. We have several main points. And the first one is this. We can trust the plan of redemption that the Lord God has for his chosen people of Israel. You see, when we look at our text, we will notice that even though Satan was pursuing Jesus Christ on earth, he wasn't able to conquer him. The scriptures say that the woman was given wings like an eagle, which she used to get away from the devil into the wilderness. The woman represents the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And the whole point is this. Satan has a plan to destroy Israel, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. You see, the enemy wanted to destroy the good work of Jesus Christ, but he couldn't. Instead, he himself will be utterly destroyed. God bless you. So Satan moves on and has forever been trying to destroy the people of Israel. This is just a fact. This is what has gone on throughout history. Because God gave Abraham the covenant promise, all believers are directly connected to the Jewish people. We are directly connected to our Jewish sisters and brothers through the covenant promise of God that he gave to Abraham. You see, without them, there is no bloodline of redemption for Jesus Christ to come through. So if Satan could destroy the Jews, he would essentially put a damper or a stop to God's plan of redemption for all people. And this is why Satan has gone off the hook crazy to try to destroy the people of Israel. So you see, we as Gentiles must be extremely grateful for the Lord's sovereign plan for humanity. So much that we should be lifting up the Lord's chosen people, Israel, that they are woken up to the truth of who their Messiah is. Right? More and more, there are more uh, people of Israel and, 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 and that of the tribes of, of Israel that are coming to the awareness that Jesus is their Messiah. But uh, it's, not, it's not to the point where the Lord obviously wants it. But this is a real reality. So that's the first point uh, of our message this morning is that we can trust in the provisional plans that the Lord has for His chosen people. He's going to make sure that they are kept no matter what. The second main point is this. Because Satan can't destroy Jesus Christ or his finished work on the cross, he has made deliberate war with Israel. So now this is a, we've gone from uh, Satan hates Jesus Christ, but the fact that Jesus Christ is directly connected to these people, the people of Israel, now Satan's like, man, I'm all, it's an all-out attack on these people. It's an all-out attack. He's never letting up. Satan's been trying to get rid of uh, the nation of Israel from the beginning. For 4,000 years, the Jewish people have been facing relentless persecution, opposition, and attempts to literally annihilate and destroy them. And in the future, this struggle will continue. You see, if it had to do with any other people group, this would seem totally irrational and insane, the amount of attacks that have come upon them. However, Israel is in direct opposition to Satan because they are God's chosen people, and there is a satanic strategy to try to destroy them. For Satan, this is a matter for him of self-preservation, if you will. He, he believes that he can still live and exist if, if the chosen people are utterly destroyed. And this is what is happening, what we see today. You see, 
Ultimately, the survival of Israel results in the eternal damnation of Satan. When Israel repents and nationally invites the Lord Jesus Christ to be its own Redeemer and Messiah, that generation of Israel will be saved and Satan's plan to destroy the Jews will be utterly defeated. We know that Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, but what I'm talking about is the chronological timeline and how it's going to all play out. It's going to be, uh, you know, in real time, finally done when that happens. Christ will return to earth, destroy the satanic Antichrist and his armies at Armageddon, establish his kingdom over Israel and the world for a thousand year period, and then cast the still rebellious devil into the lake of fire forever. All you have to do is look back from Genesis chapter 12 all the way down through Luke 24, and you can read all about how Satan has tried to destroy Israel. It's all there in the text. It's all there in the Old and the New Testament. Uh, these, these are, uh, what I'm going to share with you quickly, these are modern day accounts of Satan trying to get rid of Israel. Okay, we have Hitler. He organized the Holocaust and destroyed over 6 million Jews. Then the Jews uh, attempted to return to Israel against extensive international opposition. Then, in 1947, Israel was declared an independent state and they were invaded by Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. Then Israel was invaded in 1967 and in 1973 by its surrounding neighbors. I mean, it's an ongoing battle all the time with them. Israel was disrupted by numerous attacks from Palestinians and jihadists. Hamas hurling thousands of rockets from Gaza. This was in 2014. And we just have to look back just a little while ago. There was all stuff going on. Was it last year? There was all kind of stuff going on. Today, to this day, I read an article that was dated from uh, several days ago. And there's still violent attacks daily. And people are dying on both sides of the border. So you see, this war is very real and Satan will not stop. You see, for believers of Jesus Christ, we need to have a belief in our Lord and Savior and his promises that are unshakable, that are so unshakable that no matter what we see, we know and we trust that he is greater. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven tells us, for we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, because all that stuff, all that bloodshed, that will mess you up. You know, I don't know if you know, but I'm sure I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. For those of us who have had family members that have served in the military and have seen people die in front of their face or have had to kill someone for our freedom, you understand the trauma that goes on when you see someone literally die in front of you. And to see that repetitively time and time and time again, if you don't have the framework of a Savior, the true living Savior, the true living God who is Jesus Christ, you can't get over that. You can't deal with that. It's very, it, it messes with your psyche. It's a very difficult thing to see human life taken. And this is what goes on over there every day and night. We must walk by faith and not by sight. It has been said that a Christian's life without any problems ever is an ineffective life. And that's so very true. There is no real way for us to truly follow after Jesus Christ and never experience problems, heartache, pain, or persecution. I mentioned this at the beginning of the message. Aligning ourselves with Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord puts us in direct opposition to Satan. <laughs> Once you say, Lord, take my life, I'm all yours, sign me up, 
Lord, may I do your will. May your will be done in my life. Well, right then and there, you're on Satan's radar. That's it. <laughs> that is it. It is on and cracking. The, the battle, it, it, it's, it's gotten more intense. Whether you are a Jew or a Gentile. You see, those who claim they are believers but never have any difficult times are most likely following Jesus Christ from a very far off at best. Those Christians... They, pro- they profess, I'm a believer. No problems ever. Life is always peachy keen. Life is always smoothie, smoothie. Better roses. No problems ever. Marriage is perfect. Kids never act up. N- nothing ever. They don't even get a nail on the tire. What? You must be traveling from a very far off following after Christ. You see, what I mean by that is when we pose no threat to the devil's plans, we don't get attacked by him. We are basically left alone because he knows he's already got us in the bag. He's like, man, I already got these guys hook, line, and sinker. They're, they're good with the Tesla, and they're good with the, you know, whatever, with the, with, the, with the play thing on the side and a messed up marriage, and they're okay with all these other things. I already got them. I don't have to fight after them. They're already, you know, uh, the, 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 the lust of this life, the pleasures of this life has already got them hook, line, and sinker. We are ineffective in our walk with, the, with God when we, when we live like this. You see, we may say that we are living holy lives, but the evidence pr- proves different. While those who are a very real threat to the enemy's plans go through tribulations of various kinds. You got to ask yourself. See, sometimes we get all messed up. We're like, man, why is this happening? <laughs> Lord, I'm, I'm trusting in you. Why is it so difficult? <laughs> It's because he's 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 pruning, he's pur he's pruning, he's purging, making us more like Jesus. And so difficult things come up, <laughs> hardships in life come up. All you have to do is look at Christ. Look at look at what happened to him. I mean, they pulled his beard out, they mocked him, they scourged him, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They always were trying to you know get him caught up in stuff. They never gave him the respect that he deserved. They never gave him the honor or the, even the dignity that he deserved, being 100% God, 100% man. So it's like, these are the things that we can expect to happen if we are truly following after our Lord. You see, but we need to notice what the scripture says here. It says, those who keep Jesus' commandments, Satan will make war against them. So we need to ask ourselves the question, are we truly keeping God's commandments? Are we in a war against Satan or have we already been taken out? And this, again, is the whole idea of our beliefs have to match up with how we live. What we say has to match up with our obedience to the Lord. Acts chapter 14, verse 22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that, Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. I don't know why, but Joseph keeps on popping up in my head. I keep thinking of of, of what we see, how the Bible uh, displays his life. And he went through a lot of difficult times. And I'm sure there were many times where he questioned what is going on sitting in that jail cell. But you know what? There had to be some kind of resolve in him where he said, you know what? No matter what. Your will be done. I mean, think of our Lord. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and what happened? He's like, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, what? Not my will, but your will be done. 
And he and, he, and, and our Lord is, 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 is the example. So if he's going to go through difficult times and he's like, man, take this cup from me. Maybe you're suffering today. And you're like, Lord, take this cup from me. But what does he say? His strength is made perfect in what? In whose weakness? Our weakness, right? In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So he's going to be your strength to endure whatever cup of suffering you're going through for his name's sake. But know on the other end, you're going to be so blessed. You're going to be blessed beyond what you can imagine. Again, it goes back to the casting the crown. It's not about the things that we can gain here. It's not even about the things that we can gain in heaven. It's about knowing that we have an unhindered relationship with the Lord, something that can never be tarnished, something that can never be taken away. You can have a peace and a joy today unspeakable. And that's who makes it through the difficult times. That's who makes it through the stage four cancer diagnosis and says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to see this thing head on with the Lord and I'm not going to lose hope. And whether this cancer takes my life or not, I know that I'm going to rest in the Lord regardless. And I'm going to utilize every bit of my energy and the time that you've given me. And I'm going to have a rich life and I'm going to be a blessing to every single person around me. That's the truth. And that's how you truly live a life that's filled with joy. Amen. Amen. The third main point is this. True followers of Jesus Christ will never fall away but will keep his commandments and hold fast to him. You see, we're all prodigals. Us coming into the world from our mother's womb, we all came in sinners. So we're all equalized right there. Coming into this world, man, as cute as some of you were, you're a born sinner. (laughs) You know, some people say I'm too cynical. I say I'm just keeping it too real. Cutest baby, born sinner. I love my daughter. She's so cute. She's my princess. She's a born sinner. And you stay in our house long enough, you'll know what I'm talking about, man. She was going crazy last night. Veronica had to keep coming in the room. I'm like, I'm going over the message for tomorrow. She's like, this is what I put up with. This is why, you know, I need three hours away from all you guys because you don't see. And it was crazy. I was like, man, just trying to give her a bath. She wouldn't put her head back. And it was just, I'm like, she's going to crack her head open in that tub. This girl flailing around, flopping around. I'm like, no, this is crazy. I said, I can't do it. I try to get in there. It's not good. I should lose it. And I start yelling yelling and screaming. Like, man, I I just, I don't, my wife has such good patience. I'm like, man, it's just a women thing. I think it's the way God fashioned women. I I don't know. Maybe Lou's patient like that. He's probably like the only one that's patient. Or maybe Art, too. I know me, I'm like, I fly off the handle. I can't, I can't handle it. I'm an emotional mess. <laughs> She's like, you know, I don't even know what I meant by sharing that whole story. But the point is, oh, okay, yeah. As cute as she is, she's a born sinner. She needs salvation. She needs Christ to come into her heart and eradicate that sin nature. And, and reviving her and renewing her a right spirit. We're all prodigals. We've all gone astray from birth. Sometimes, even within our own walk with the Lord, we may have at one point or another lost our way. But just like Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. If we have truly been regenerated and saved, we will return to our first love. Amen. This is extremely encouraging because there are seasons of life when we get beat up pretty bad. Physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, spiritually. 
But all of the Lord's chosen people will bounce back. You see, you can't stay down forever. Jesus Christ didn't lay down his life just so you and I could be lost. He didn't lay down his life so that he could lose even one who would be redeemed. You see, Jesus Christ gave all of himself so that we would have eternal life in him. It's the highest stake. It's your soul. And he gave it all for your soul and my soul. He made certain that no one would be left behind. Luke chapter 15 verse 4 tells us, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And that's our Lord. And that's how he looks at your life. And that's how he looks at my life. It's a miracle that you're saved. It's a miracle that you're pursuing the Lord today. That you thought it sensible enough to come to the house of the Lord. You know, there's many people that they don't care. They're like, what? That's a burden. You know what I'm missing? You know what NASCAR's on right now? You, you know, I got I got the Warriors are playing today. So, you know, I got I got a pre party for like five hours before the game. <laughs> you know, for real. There's people that are so fixed on so many other things. But you thought sensible enough to come to the house of the Lord. That's a miracle. And that's a work of God in your life, changing your desires. You see, coming here is no longer a burden, but a blessing. Amen. Oh, poor baby fell down. Don't get those rug burns. <laughs> you know, but, but that's the reality. Living your life for Christ is a blessing and no longer a burden. So when it's time to draw those lines of demarcation, it's not like, oh, I'm missing out so much. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't have it in my heart to be in, involved in that stuff because it, it tarnishes my witness for the Lord and it utterly destroys me. I don't want that. That's what the Lord does for us. And he counted every single one of us that important that he personally came into your life and gave you a testimony that nobody can take from you. Nobody can tell you it's fake because you experienced it. You know it's real. Because you've tried everything else and nothing else works. Isn't that amazing that you can have all the money in the world and you can still be empty? It's because we are not to store up treasures here on earth. The, sum, the lump sum of us is not, it's not weighed out in the amount of things that we accumulate here on earth. All these things are going to pass away. They are. It's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having nice experiences, great experiences. But don't look for those things to fulfill you because they leave you empty and broken. Store up for yourself treasure in heaven, right? Where it's not going to rust away and moths aren't going to eat away at it. Amen? All right. Let's look at uh, these first three verses, verses 13 down through 16. And it says, And when the dragon saw that he had... Uh, been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two, the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water out, excuse me, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth and the woman uh, <clears throat> to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Man, that's 
It's crazy. <laughs> that's a that's a whole lot going on. Now I know Daniel why you like uh, you know like Narnia and all and all those uh, you know those great books that C.S. Lewis wrote because it's it's got that same kind of you know descriptive uh, just language in 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 the wording and it's just like wow man you know I know Michelle if she closes her eyes she's like what. <laughs> What the heck? Uh, what came pouring out of that serpent's mouth? What? <laughs> and how did the earth swallow him up? You know, it's just going to be black for her. But yeah, if you're like, if you have an imagination, you're like, what is going on? It's crazy. It's pretty whacked out. All right. He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Some teach that the woman is a symbol rep representing all of the people of God, including the faithful Israel and the church. They use this to promote the idea that the church is here during the tribulation period. But if the woman represents all the people of God, the church and the faithful Israel, then who are the rest of her offspring described in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, which we'll get to in, in a minute. It's better to see this as this is Israel in general or Messianic Jews in particular. Again, we, touched, we talked about this a brief minute ago. Why does Satan attack the Jewish people? Again, this is a question for all history, not just the Great Tribulation. The reason is, become, is because from the time of Abraham, Israel holds a critical role in God's plan of redemption. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 down through 3. And it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make for you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is this is great. Again, this this is speaks again to having the kind of faith that moves you to action. You know, Abram didn't know what to do, but he said, you know, what? I'm going to trust that what you said was real and I'm going to act. I'm going to respond. And that's what God is looking for in our lives. He wants us to respond. You see, many times like, people say, well, when I see God, when I see Jesus, then I'll believe. He's like, no, 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 no. When you act upon what I've already said, I will reveal myself to you in such a way that you're going to be so blown away. Yeah. But what good is it going to do if we believe after we see he told Thomas that he said, man, blesses those who don't even haven't even seen and believe. Thomas was blessed. He actually could see the nails pierced hand. We ain't seen, I ain't seen no physical Jesus, but I know he's real. <laughs> I know my depravity and I know what he saved me from. And so we, again, we see that already just here in this portion of scripture right here. The fact that we have to act upon what the scripture says if we want to see God move in our lives. So first off here, um, this promise, this covenant was in bringing forth the Messiah and the Redeemer. Then it was the fulfillment of his plan because Jesus promised that the Jewish people would exist and welcome him when he returns in glory to this world. Matthew chapter 23 verse 39 tells us, For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, if Satan succeeds in destroying the Jewish people, then God's eternal plan is some, in some way thwarted. If the continued persecution of Israel is part of the satanic program to hinder the work of God, then Satan's going to continue that, and that's what he's doing. You see, Israel is hated by Satan because they are the chosen people of God and essential to the overall purpose 
of God for time and eternity. That is what is going on here. And it's, and, and it's an interesting thing because, you know, so many people say Jesus isn't real. God's not real. All you have to do is look at the nation of Israel. All you have to do is look at those people. It's like, really? He's not real? How is he not real? Do you know what these people have been through? And again, not because they're great, not because of anything that they've done, because we know that really it's been a whole lot of rebellion that they've done. But if it wasn't for their rebellion, it wouldn't have opened the door for us Gentiles to be safe. So I'm like, oh, you know what? It evens out. I'm not going to I'm going to tread lightly on that topic and not get too into it because I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. See, some people, they sit and they decipher and they try to fight and politic about Israel. And it's like, dude, I'm not going to trip. <laughs> they've been disobedient it ushered in the ability for me to get saved i'm grateful for that now i'm praying for them the application is this this is why us as gentiles need to be consistently praying for our jewish brothers and sisters around the world for those that have come to know jesus christ as their long-awaited messiah to hold fast in that faith and for those that are still in the dark to have the eyes of their hearts open to the truth that is truly the last thing that we are waiting for before Jesus Christ comes back. We have to understand that. That's what we're waiting for. Because once that happens, it's a wrap. You see, Satan's not in control. Neither is Putin. Neither is Biden. Neither is any world leader being used by Satan. The world leaders are not in control. Satan's not in control. The Lord God Almighty is in complete control. Amen? Amen. And he is waiting for his chosen people, the Jews, to finally receive him as their Messiah. Once that happens, you can kiss this world goodbye. That is it. That is it. That is going to be, the scroll's going to be rolled up and that's, it's done. You know, exit stage left. That's the, that's the end of it. That's really it. You see, it's very interesting how Satan tries to deceive both, both Jew and Gentiles. You see, when you really look about it, when you really look at it, excuse me, and, and you think about it, the average religious Jew is only concerned with the Old Testament, mainly the law of Moses. That's all they care about. Their whole thing is that. <laughs> their whole thing is that. You see, Satan has blinded their minds into believing that they don't need the accounts of the New Testament to formulate their understanding of who their true Messiah is. You see, and then the average Gentile Christian thinks that they only need the New Testament. They have twisted the understanding of grace. They have, underst uh, they have twisted that. And, 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 I, and I, won't put, um, I won't put Lucy on blast, but I know that she shared something with me a while ago, and it's pretty crazy how some places or some places of worship claim to be Bible-believing Christian churches, and they're like, oh, we only subscribe to the New Testament. What? What? You don't, you don't teach from the Old Testament? Why? You need all of it. But that's crazy. And there, there's places like that here in San, oh, this is Milpitas, but San Jose, Santa Clara County. It's real. That's crazy. They were like, we don't do the Old Testament. What? I don't know. Once again, saying you believe and your actions don't line up. I mean, it's, uh, I'm just, I mean, I'm not trying to poke. I'm just saying it is. It's not rocket science. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. You see, Satan has deceived them, those who believe that they only need the New Testament, into thinking that they don't need to understand how from the foundations of the world and all throughout human history, all things have been pointing to Jesus Christ alone as the Savior of this world. 
the next statement we see in this portion of scripture, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. Eagle's wings are an emblem from Exodus, from the Exodus deliverance, another way of connecting these people with Israel. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 tells us, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on wing, on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Some have wondered if the reference to the two wings of a great eagle describes a great military transportation plane used to evacuate people in an emergency situation. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I can't say for sure. That's what they say. I don't have that figured out. So, I mean, you know what? Take that up with the Lord. What I can say for certain is this. The Lord will always come through for his people. Amen. He'll always come through. I don't care if it's wings of an eagle. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a U-Haul truck. He's going to come through. He's going to come through with what you need, when you need. That's a, I mean, I love this statement, you know, because sometimes don't people, you know, but when you get too much information, right? People that just know all this stuff and always want to spout off what they know. I'm going to tell you this. I don't need to know everything. All I need to know is what I need to know when I need to know it. Lord, give me what I need when I need it. And that's I'm good with that. I don't need to know everything else. I don't need to sit for hours and hours and talk about this endless stuff. We're, we're, we're told to not do that. That's what the Pharisees do. They are, are endless speculation and all this stuff. I'm not into all that. I don't need to do all the genealogies. Because, again, <laughs> if your actions don't line up with what you're saying, he don't care. Nobody else cares. It's just a waste of time and breath. Give me somebody that don't talk a lot, but their lifestyle showing you that they living it out for real. I'll ride with that person any day over somebody that's wanting to talk because talk is cheap. We know this. In good times and bad times, he is the solid foundation for all who trust in him from the Jew first and then to the Gentile. We see next it says where she will be nourished for a time and times and half a time. This is another reference to a three and a half year period indicated by these events. This dramatic persecution of Israel takes place during the 70th week of Daniel chapter nine. You can read about that there. Again, we see a direct connection of the Old and New Testaments. You see, we need both. We can't disregard one for the other. Both play an essential role in shaping our understanding of who God truly is and his plan of redemption for humanity. We need the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. So we see this next statement. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. The fury poured out against Israel after the abomination of desolation, marking the halfway point of the 70th week of Daniel, was spoken by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 down through 22, and spoken of the distinctly Jewish terms. We'll read this passage. It describes the fury that Jesus told them to flee Matthew chapter 24 verses 15 down to 22 and it says so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains let the one who is on the housetop no not excuse me not go down to take what is in his house and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak and alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days pray that your flight 
may not be in winter or, or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as had not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had, been, had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So we see clearly what is going on here. And this is, this is a, a definite warning that the Lord is giving to the people of Israel to forsake those things that are holding them back. It says, The earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Though it may seem as if Satan is winning with the evil, hateful actions we see taking place all around us, you can be certain that God's purposes and plan will never fail. They will always prevail. The devil will never win his war against God Almighty. This passage also describes God's ultimate protection of Israel from the fury of Satan and his Antichrist in the Great Tribulation. Isaiah chapter 59 uh, verses 19 down through 21 says this, and it says, So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the, e, from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, for he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives, and a redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from their transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forever. The application is simply this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. He will protect us. He will keep us safe from the attacks of the evil one. You see, you will be protected if you turn from your sin and run back to Jesus Christ. When we return to our first love and remain in him, we have the privilege of the extended covenant promise to us by being grafted into the true vine. Amen? And this is the last verse, verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Okay, so we see that Satan was enraged. He was enraged with, with uh, the nation of Israel and, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. This may refer to, again, Israel and the Gentiles who come to faith to Jesus during the Great Tribulation, the rest of her offspring. These two groups are particular targets for Satan and his Antichrist, his anti-Christian persecution in the last days. The application for us is this. Today we need to be aware of the spiritual onslaught that is being waged against us as believers in Jesus. As the remnant church, we must remain sound in our convictions. You see, Satan works very subtly, even within churches, trying to get them to move the boundaries of morality. That's what's going on. You see this in a lot of churches where they're like, well, we don't really even talk about sin no more. And we let women preach to the whole congregation i, I don't I, I would never say that a woman shouldn't teach but i think women should be te the bible says women should be teaching women and children women shouldn't be leading a congregation we see a lot of that going on we see a lot of people that are practicing homosexual lifestyles leading 
churches, we see a lot of heterosexual men embezzling all kind of money, doing all kind of funny shenanigans from the pulpit. And it's all for, oh, well, we're just being tolerant now. And we're just being inclusive. We're inviting everybody. But that's that whole thing. You cannot hold Krishna, Buddha, and all these other false gods to Jesus. They're not the same. They are not the same. Christ is Christ. It's either they're all right and everyone gets to heaven any way they can and or we're wrong. <laughs> it's one or the other. We can't all be right. We can't all be right. The word of God says narrow is the pathway or the gate to heaven and few are on it. But broad and is the road that many people are on and it leads to destruction. So we, somebody's got to be wrong here. I'm banking on <laughs> the word of God, that, that the word of God is right. And that these other so-called religions, God bless you, are not correct. You see, some churches, unfortunately, give in to societal and political pressures to become more tolerant. The reality is this. There is no substitute for sound biblical doctrine. Men change. Times change. Laws of the land change. The word of God will remain the same forever. You can't compromise the word of God and how you apply it to your life and, in, and expect genuine victory over sin and Satan. It just won't happen. Again, I'm going to keep hammering this home because the Lord keeps hammering it home in my own life. You cannot say you profess Christ, but your lifestyle looks completely different. You will not have sustained victory. You have to live out what you say you believe. And you do that by the power of the Holy Spirit who allows you to do that by the grace. You see, grace is so important. Grace is so powerful. Grace helps you say no to the bottle. No to that website you're not supposed to go back to. No to that illicit, uh, not good relationship that you know you shouldn't be having. Grace gives you the power to say no to that. It's only when we go running back to those things because, again, we, we, we allow ourselves to come into agreement with things that are not good for us. We just got to be trusting the Lord and be patient. Maybe it's not going to happen in the time that we want it to. But maybe the Lord is doing a different work, a better work. He's doing a work inside of you <laughs> so that you could be proper and mature when those things he wants to give to you that are godly are going to come in his time. You see, we need to not be impatient, right? We need to just, that's again, if our highest priority is our relationship with Jesus, we're going to be filled already. We're not going to need all these other external things to try to fill us. It's like me constantly going to the cupboard. Veronica's like, dude, you need to just eat good food. <laughs> so I've been trying to like, all right, I'm eating a burrito when I come home from work. I'm not snacking. I'm not eating tortilla. Well, I did eat tortilla chips all week, so I can't say that. But, but, you know, I'm not going to get gummy bears. I'm not, you know, just the knick-knack junk that doesn't fill you. And then wonder why I'm constantly hungry. You know, if we feed, if we feed on the right relationship, right, the relationship with Christ, that is going to fill us. That is going to sustain us. We're not going to have the desire for all these other things that are temporal anyways. Amen. Now, I'll end with this as Isaiah and, and, and Michelle come up. The application is this. 
Your peace is connected to knowledge and obedience to Jesus Christ. You see, the more you know him, the more you will keep his commandments, the greater your peace will be. But this all comes from, again, establishing this relationship and establishing your relationship with him to be prime numero uno, the most important thing in your life. Can't nothing else take the time away from that. You have to give God the first fruits of your time. Amen. Lastly, I said lastly a second ago. They said, don't ever say that. When you say you're ending a sermon, don't go back. <laughs> this is, this is kind of in the same thought. I still got time. I'm actually really good on time today. Um, okay. He went to make war with the rest of her offspring, speaking of Satan. Now, this either begins or continues the fierce persecution of all those who will not submit to and worship this great satanic dictator. The martyrs of this period were shown in Revelations chapter 6, 9 through 11, and Re Revelation, excuse me, chapter 7. It's been said, it's precisely when Satan has lost the battle for souls of the saints that he begins the fruitless persecution of their bodies. Man, that's powerful. <laughs> when he's lost the battle for their souls, now he's just going to try and take them out. He's going to try to take out their lives. You see, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 tells us this. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. May we be those kind of Christians, amen? The ones who fear God and not man, who fear God and not Satan. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for your word. As it's gone out, we trust that you know what's best. We pray that this insight would sink deep into our hearts, Lord. May we understand what's been spoken. May you give us the ability to live out, Lord, these principles and put you number one above everything else. Father, may you receive all honor and glory. We are indebted to you forever for what you've done for us. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.